Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. And this actually illustrates something I think is really, really important when you're thinking about genre conventions versus tropes. Genre conventions usually have an objective reason why they exist in a story, while tropes usually do not. So genre conventions need to be met in order for your story to work and to satisfy readers' expectations. But the way you deliver those conventions, or the tropes you choose to use, is totally up to your imagination and your discretion. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to look at the difference between genre conventions and tropes. And I thought this would be a fun topic to explore because a lot of the writers I talk to feel very confused about genre conventions and worry that including certain genre conventions or tropes in their stories is going to create something predictable or cliche. So today I'm going to share my take on all of that and hopefully clear the air on some common misconceptions when it comes to genre conventions and tropes. But first, let's go over some definitions, starting with genre conventions. Genre conventions are story elements such as character archetypes, key events, and settings that are commonly found in a specific genre. These conventions not only define each specific genre, but they also define the reader's expectations of a story in that genre. So, for example, if a reader picks up a romance novel, she's going to have different expectations for that story than she would if she picked up a horror novel, right? And that's because each genre has a set of obligatory scenes and conventions that need to be present in order to make the story work. And these obligatory scenes are objective, meaning that they need to exist in a story to give it shape and to make it work according to the genre guidelines. So what are some examples of genre conventions? Well, if you take a mystery story, for instance, in every mystery story, you would expect there to be clues and red herrings for the detective to follow, right? Another example is a romance novel. You'd probably expect there to be some kind of first kiss and arrival love interest and characters who are both for and against the relationship. In an action story, you might expect to see a mentor figure who helps the protagonist learn, grow, and change so that he or she can accomplish whatever goal they're chasing. So things like that. Those are genre conventions. Now, in each of those things I just listed, I want you to notice that I didn't say anything specific. So for the action story example, I said that readers will probably expect to see a mentor figure, but I didn't say what kind of mentor or who the mentor has to be. It's just a very objective role that you need to fill and a role that has a very specific purpose in the overall story. So I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about tropes. 
tropes are a very specific way of delivering those genre conventions or obligatory scenes in your novel. So continuing with our example of the mentor convention in an action story, let's think about all the ways you could present a mentor figure in your story. You could have an old man with a long white beard, or you could have an antisocial hermit who lives in the mountains and lives off the land. You could have an eccentric middle-aged mentor who wears crazy clothes and speaks in riddles, or you could have some kind of mythical creature or child act as a mentor in your story. These specific ways of presenting genre conventions in your story are what I consider to be tropes. So they're very subjective interpretations of a genre convention. If your genre calls for a mentor, that doesn't mean he has to be old and have a long white beard. You can literally do whatever you want to fulfill the convention like we just talked about. Using our example, if you left the mentor role out of your action story or if you didn't satisfy that convention, readers would probably miss having someone to fill that role. And not only that, but the function the mentor serves in your story wouldn't be met. So without a mentor, who's going to help your protagonist learn, grow, and change? Or who's there to point out what's right and wrong to your protagonist? Or to show them the ways of the world or provide assistance? And this actually illustrates something I think is really, really important when you're thinking about genre conventions versus tropes. Genre conventions usually have an objective reason why they exist in a story, while tropes usually do not. So genre conventions need to be met in order for your story to work and to satisfy readers' expectations, but the way you deliver those conventions or the tropes you choose to use is totally up to your imagination and your discretion. And on that note, it's important to realize that some people love certain tropes while others find them tiresome and cliche. If a certain trope is used too many times in a specific genre, like the wise old mentor with a long white beard, then it can start to feel tiresome or cliche because readers have seen that convention delivered in that same way so often. But on the other hand, certain readers won't care if there's a specific trope included in many stories because they just love it and they want to see more. Personally, I love a wise old mentor with a long white beard and it doesn't bother me, but it might bother other people and you just never know. So just for fun, let's go over a few more examples of tropes so that you can really see what I mean when I say that tropes are a way to present a genre convention. The first example of a common trope is the chosen one who needs to defeat the Dark Lord. These are ways to present the protagonist and the antagonist in your story. So a protagonist and an antagonist are required in order to write a story that works, but the way you present them or the chosen one versus the Dark Lord is not required. It's completely up to you as the writer and your imagination. The second example is a love triangle in a romance novel. So a love triangle is a genre convention or something that's going to be expected by readers of the romance genre. Common tropes that are used to present this convention are something like a rich suitor versus a poor suitor, or two siblings that are interested in the same person, or the good guy versus the bad boy who's somehow desirable and off-putting all at the same time. Now, depending on the type of love story you're writing, there might be a really good reason to include one of these tropes as a representation of meeting the love triangle genre convention. So, for example, if your story has something to say about being rich versus being poor, then it might make sense to have a rich suitor versus a poor suitor in your love triangle. That specific trope would help you meet the genre convention of a love triangle, and it would probably help you communicate your story's theme. 
So it would have some kind of bigger purpose in your story. It's not just an arbitrary decision to include a rich suitor and a poor suitor because some website told you that trope had to be included in your book. So now that we're hopefully clear on the difference between genre conventions and tropes, or at least the way that I like to look at them, let's talk about some of the common mistakes I see writers make when it comes to tropes and conventions. The first mistake I see a lot of writers make is that they ignore genre conventions altogether because they think that all conventions are tropes and that tropes are predictable or cliche. And this is a mistake because like we talked about earlier, genre conventions are what help us to write a story that works. They help us satisfy the expectations that readers have of books in the genre we're writing in. And what usually happens in this scenario is that writers choose to ignore these genre conventions and then end up with a story that doesn't work and doesn't really fit into any genre. Then they go and query agents and their story gets rejected because it doesn't work and it doesn't fit into any of the genres. So then they're back to square one trying to figure out how to write a story that works. And it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And as far as being predictable goes, I wanted to talk about romance novels because they tend to get a bad rap because people think that they're really predictable, largely due to the fact that in order to write a true romance, you need to have a happily ever after ending. But when you think about a romance novel, what kinds of things do you imagine you would see? You might think about things like a couple, a meet cute, some kissing, or a moment of physical intimacy, maybe something that breaks them apart, a grand gesture that brings them back together, and a happily ever after ending, right? Well, these things aren't predictable. They're actually expected by publishers and by fans of the romance genre. So people read and watch romance stories for all these different things. They read and watch them for the happily ever after ending, and they're going to feel robbed or cheated if it isn't there. So it's kind of interesting sometimes to think about the difference between good predictable, like we just talked about in the romance example, and then things that are bad predictable or kind of cliche. And what I really want you to remember is that the obligatory scenes and conventions of a genre are there for a reason. They're there to help you write a story that works, and most readers not only expect them, but they really like experiencing them too. And that's why they keep going back to books of the same genre in the first place. The second mistake I see a lot of writers make is that they put a bunch of tropes in their story that don't have any real purpose. And this is a mistake because if you don't know why you're putting something in your story, then it probably shouldn't be there. What usually happens in this scenario is that writers look up a list of genre tropes and then put them in their story, hoping that it's going to have the desired effect on readers. But the truth is that this strategy doesn't usually work. And that's because, as I mentioned earlier, tropes don't always have a reason why they should be in a story. So, for example, there's no reason why your action story needs to have a grizzled old mentor with a long white beard. But you do need to abide by the genre convention that says your protagonist does need a mentor if you're writing an action story. So do you see the difference? A mentor figure serves a purpose, but an old mentor with a long white beard is going to feel forced if that specific presentation or that trope you're using to fulfill the convention is not organic to your story. So just remember that tropes are sometimes a specific way of delivering on a convention, but other times they're just going to be completely arbitrary things that have either been done a lot or that readers of a certain genre just like to see. And when in doubt, always make sure you understand why something is being included in your story so that you can avoid including random things just to tick the box that someone on the internet said you need to tick. 
The third mistake I see a lot of writers make is that they feel like they have to follow every single rule in every single book. So in this scenario, writers are usually in a state of analysis paralysis, and that's because they've looked up lists of tropes or genre conventions or character archetypes, and they've compiled all of these lists into one giant list with very specific things they need to include in their story. And this is kind of similar to the second most common mistake that we just talked about, but it's a little more extreme because the writers who fall into this trap make conventions and tropes far more restricting than they actually need to be. So as an example, I'll tell you about a writer that I worked with last year. She had a list of obligatory scenes and conventions for her genre. She had all the stages and archetypes of the hero's journey and a list of tropes from tvtropes.org. She had compiled all of this into one big document and came to me saying that she was having a really hard time fitting everything into her story and making her story work. Now, I know some of you out there probably relate to this, but don't feel bad because it's actually way more common than you think. And the reason this writer was having so much trouble is because there was just too much stuff for her to consider that didn't necessarily need to be considered. So for example, if she had stuck with either the hero's journey stages and archetypes or the genre conventions and obligatory scenes, she probably would have had a much easier time because in theory, both of these methods would have probably resulted in her writing a similar enough story to what she had imagined. But her mistake was thinking she had to combine all of these and then include a bunch of tropes in her story too. So it was just too much and not all of it was really relevant to the story she was trying to tell. So if you're falling into this trap, then my main piece of advice is don't follow every rule in every book. I want you to pick one method that works for you and then get your first draft down because otherwise you're going to end up just like the writer I mentioned. You'll be 10 years down the road and you'll still be pondering all of these different methods and tropes and, and you'll never really accomplish anything and you certainly won't have a finished first draft. So those are the top three mistakes I see writers make when it comes to genre conventions and tropes. And now that you know about these common mistakes and you know the difference between genre conventions and tropes, you might still be wondering, do I really have to include all the obligatory scenes and conventions of my genre in my story? And the answer is no, of course you don't. It's your story and you can literally do whatever you want, but If you really don't want to follow the guidelines of your genre, then I'm really going to encourage you to be super realistic about your goals. Because for the most part, if you've chosen to write genre fiction, then you need to produce a story that's going to satisfy readers of that genre. And that means that you need to find a way to give them what they're expecting to see. So all of those obligatory scenes and conventions that make up a story of a specific genre. And if you write a book that veers too far away from readers' expectations of your genre and then call your book that specific genre, you're going to disappoint readers. And readers don't usually make a habit of buying books from authors who disappoint them. So instead of getting stuck on this question about including all the obligatory scenes and conventions of your genre, I'm going to also encourage you to ask a better question. And that question is, how can you innovate the obligatory scenes and conventions of your genre so that your story becomes unique and interesting while fulfilling readers' expectations? So long story short, first, you need to learn the obligatory scenes and conventions of your genre and use them as a framework for your story. And then inside that framework, you can kind of take what you need from the traditional rules or, you know, any of those lists of tropes or whatever you like to look at and then innovate them by kind of adding your own preferences or ideas or experiences or values or, you know, things like that. And if you can do all of that, you're going to have no trouble writing a story that works and delivers on readers' expectations. 
So hopefully that helped to clear the air on some of the most common misconceptions when it comes to genre conventions and tropes. And I know we just went over a lot of stuff, so let me just quickly recap. So key point number one is that genre conventions are story elements such as character archetypes, key events, and settings that are commonly found in a specific genre. These conventions and obligatory scenes are pretty objective, meaning that they need to exist in a story to give it shape and to make it work according to the genre guidelines. Key point number two is that tropes are a very specific way of delivering those genre conventions and obligatory scenes in your story. So while genre conventions usually have an objective reason why they exist, tropes usually don't. So genre conventions need to be met in order for your story to work and to satisfy readers' expectations, but the way you deliver those conventions or the tropes you choose to include in your story are totally up to you and your imagination and discretion. Key point number three is that you don't want to ignore genre conventions altogether because not all conventions are tropes and not all tropes are predictable or cliché. And what I really want you to remember here is that the obligatory scenes and conventions of a genre are there for a reason. They're there to help you write a story that works. And most readers not only expect them to be in a book, but they really like when they're there too. And that's really why they keep coming back to books of the same genre in the first place. So don't leave them out. Key point number four is that you don't want to include a bunch of tropes in your story unless they have a real purpose. So when in doubt, always make sure that you understand why something is being included in your story so that you can avoid including all these random things just to tick a box that someone else said you need to tick. Remember, conventions usually have an objective reason why they need to be there, but tropes don't always have an objective reason why. So sometimes that's a really nice lens to look through if you're considering what to include and what to exclude. Key point number five is that you don't want to follow every single rule in every single book out there. And if you find yourself doing this, then I highly suggest that you just pick one method that works for you and really focus on just getting your first draft down. Because once you have a first draft, then you can really see, you know, what you have, what you still need to include and just make a plan for what to do next. But without that first draft down, and if you spend too much time studying different methods and compiling a huge list of things you need to include, then you're probably just going to end up in a state of analysis paralysis and you're probably never going to accomplish anything. So that's it for today's episode. Hopefully this episode helped to clear up some of the confusion around genre conventions and tropes. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to pop over to the Fiction Writing Made Easy Facebook group and ask your question there. If you're not already a member, I highly recommend checking it out since it's a group full of like-minded writers and we talk about all things writing, editing, and publishing fiction. I'll link to the group in the show notes for you guys if you want to come join. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.